everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Teen Titans Wasteland. Happy to see you all there. I'm going to pretend I can see you. Not in a creepy way. Or hell, you know what? If you're comfortable with it, and that's the way you want to picture it, then in a creepy way. It's up to you. For the first time in a while, I haven't given blood. I don't have pneumonia. So if nothing makes sense, it is all on me this time. That's a lot of pressure. Hope I'm up for it. So I'm starting to run dry, but I I think I've got maybe one more synopsis rhyme in me. So here we go. A horny dinosaur might get a triceratops kiss, but you, dear listener, just get a synopsis. Teen Titans number 22, August 1969. Written by Neil Adams. Drotted by Neil Adams. Inked by Nick Carty. Teen Titan Roll Call. Robin. Kid Flash. Wonder Girl. Speedy. Halfway to Holocaust. Previously on Teen Titans, a whole bunch of weird shit happened. The Titans teamed up with Hawk and Dove to take out an international crime syndicate that was being mentally controlled by some green goblin-looking douchebags from Dimension X. The teen heroes succeeded in capturing the head of the mob, a portly gentleman who Dove calls Chubbins. But Chubbins' unearthly overlords kidnap Robin and Kid Flash and take them to their home dimension. Zounds! Also, that was a robo-spider-train. Speedy and Wonder Girl questioned the brainwashed Chubbins as to their teammates' whereabouts, but to no avail. Fortunately, an enraged Speedy stumbles across a button that triggers an interdimensional portal. An energy-sucking giant pink lizard beast storms in through the portal and tries to kill them. Fortunately, the titanic twosome figure out that the creature is blind and is tracking them with its super-sensitive hearing. Speedy shoots a sonic signal arrow back through the portal, and the slimy pink daredevil wannabe goes galloping after it. Meanwhile, in Dimension X, an evil green scientist has Robin and Kid Flash strapped into some kind of torture machine. The scientist's even more evil boss, Rangor, shows up. Rangor and his underling watch Speedy and Wonder Girl's exploits on some kind of an interdimensional TV. For some reason, they need the Titans' help to get to our dimension. So I guess they set up all the mind control devices, portal buttons, and cameras in our dimension without being able to get here? Okay. Rangor puts Kid Flash and Robin into some kind of cybernetic shock collar devices that are connected to their torture device and shoves them into a portal with orders to bring back their teammates. Their teammates that Rangor and his buddies wanted to have killed last issue. For some reason. Man, Dimension X sucks. I know it might be a little more expensive, but next time I'm totally going with a brand name Dimension. I bet it's worth the extra few bucks. Rather than taking them back to Earth, Robin and the Flasher's portal takes them to some pink dimension filled with random geometric shapes and swirling mist. You know, dimension stuff. A flying little crab monster eats the blowtorch that Robin was going to use to escape. Rangor yanks them back through the portal and is stoked what they saw confirms his suspicion that there is a dimension between Earth and Dimension X that can be seen by humans but not green douchebags. He orders his scientist buddy to rig up some magic sunglasses they live style so that he and his army can invade the Earth. As Rangor and the scientist exchange a series of egg-based compliments and insults for some reason, Robin and Kid Flash manage to break out of their harnesses and escape back into the pink dimension where they run into Speedy and Wonder Girl, who I guess must have followed the slimy pink daredevil there? The Titans' happy reunion is interrupted by the arrival of Rangor and his army. Man, those green dudes make magic glasses fast. Rangor's army starts firing at the Titans, but a whole bunch of different shaped pink slimy Muppets show up and start eating the missiles and laser blasts. The Greenies are forced to get out of their ship to try to hit the Titans with some clubs. Speedy is able to hold them off with his arrows for a while, but he only brought so many non-exploding arrows with him. The Titans are about to be overpowered when, and I can't believe I'm about to say this given what has happened so far, but 
shit gets weird. A whole bunch of shimmering bits of light that had not been mentioned before start coalescing and growing into a giant archer-shaped form. Then it forms a giant arrow which it repeatedly fires at Rangor and his army, telling them to go back to Dimension X, and warning them that if they ever return to the weird pink dimension, that they will face total destruction. Fair enough. Once the Greenies have left, the glowing light giant explains to the Titans that it is a collective intelligence that is the only sentient entity in the pink dimension. Seeing the Titans, and I guess Speedy specifically, inspired it to form into a single body and become the protector of its home. Fully satisfied with that explanation, the Titans go home, securing the knowledge that Dimension X will never bother them again. Sure. Why not? Hooray! Wow. I know it might not seem like that, but all that took place in just 16 pages. That's a short issue. Oh well, on to the... What? A whole nother backup issue? And... And... I'm out of synopsis rhymes. What am I going to do? Good news, listener. I got an awesome email from Zane Kipfmiller, who sent me a bunch of synopsis rhymes. So I'm going to use one of his. Yeah, thank you very much. It was a wonderful email, and I really appreciate it. And now I have some more synopsis rhymes. If any of you would like to send me some, send me an email at ttwasteland.gmail.com, or just drop me a line about whatever. Anyway... Too busy eating to sleep as the pits. Have a big bowl of synopsis. That was by Zane Kipfmiller. Well, the libretto was him. He did the words. I I made up the tune myself. Just saying. The Origin of Wonder Girl. Written by Marv Wolfman. Drotted by Gil Kane. Inked by Nick Carty. Titan Roll Call. Robin. Kid Flash. Speedy. But mostly, Wonder Girl. After all that weird-ass interdimensional shit, the Titans are hanging out at their headquarters. Wonder Girl is feeling strangely weak, which I guess has been happening a bunch lately. Robin is concerned that it might be related to the fact that Wonder Woman lost her powers recently when all the other Amazons left Earth. Long story. But Wendy says no way because, wait for it, she isn't really an Amazonian. What? When she was two years old, Wonder Woman rescued her from a burning apartment building. There were no records of her parents, and none of the neighbors had any idea where she came from, so Wonder Woman brought the mysterious orphan to her own mother, Queen Hippolyta, on Paradise Island. She was raised among the Amazons and liked it there, but got bummed out because she was so much weaker and slower than all her pals. So the Amazonian zapped her with the Purple Ray. Oh, the good old Purple Ray. The Purple Ray is a device invented by Paula, the Amazon's chief scientist. It can do pretty much whatever the writers, er... Amazons wanted to do, including but not limited to resurrecting the dead. In this case, the Purple Ray imbued a plucky young human orphan with the powers of an Amazon. Handy little gizmo, that. Once she got older, Wonder Girl, who as near as I can tell the Amazons never got around to naming, decided that she wanted to check out the country she was from, so she headed to the USA and started palling around with the Titans. Her only problem now is that since the Amazons decided to beam Paradise Island back to their home dimension, which is totally a thing that happened. Wonder Girl is homeless, and has been secretly sleeping at the Titans HQ for the past few weeks. The gang decides to help her find an apartment, and that her new secret identity is Donna Troy. The newly christened Donna moves in with an art student named Sharon Tracy, who Speedy immediately starts hitting on. Creep. 
As she is unpacking, Donna gets a call from Hippolyta on her bracelet. Her adopted mom wanted to check to see if she had been feeling weak lately. She explained that the Amazonians had been using the purple ray to heal somebody's arm and the machine got out of whack and accidentally started draining Wonder Girl's powers. That explains everything. They got it fixed now, though. Wendy says that's cool and decides to celebrate the return of her powers by sewing herself a new superhero costume. A tight red jumpsuit with some stars on it and a W belt buckle and a chunky necklace. And by getting a new hairdo. Hooray! Alright, and joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. So, what'd you think? Well, first, I was pleased to see a conclusion of sorts to the cliffhanger of the last issue. Sure. And also good to get some more backstory in a surprising turn, you know, on uh, on Wonder Girl's origin. Yeah, okay. So the first note that I took was just the word, what? With an exclamation point and a question mark and then another exclamation point. Mm. Uh, halfway to Holocaust, first of all, the title doesn't seem to have anything to do with the issue. The cover of the issue, which is gorgeous, doesn't really reflect anything that happens in the issue. It's all of the Titans pulling on Wonder Girl as she's half stuck in one dimension and half another. Nothing like that happens. It's a mess. It's a bit of a mess. But a pretty fun mess. It's, I gotta say, overall, like, the impression I got reading it, and especially once I was writing the synopsis and being like, wait a minute, yeah, that that's what just happened, that... It remind. Did you ever read the comic book Axe Cop? Axe Cop. I did read the comic book Axe Cop. Yes. That's what it reminds me of more than anything else. That's, it's like uh, Neil Adams when he's writing is a little kid going, "Oh, oh!" And then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, mm-hmm. and then this happened. Mm-hmm. That's something that you've observed previously. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to keep up with. I think before I was just more like he's like an artist, so he just wants to draw the things, and I think there's a lot of that going on in this too. He's where, getting trippy though. He gets real trippy. The extra-dimensional stuff is weird. All of the creatures that he draws, all of the inhabitants of the dimension, of the the in-between dimension where everything's pink, mm-hmm. look different from each other. Mm-hmm. And they all look like just kind of like, kind of Muppety, I guess, some of them. And then some of them, like a weird cross between like H.R. Geiger and Muppets, but it remi- You know what it reminded pink. me of is, do you remember that movie Altered States? Yeah. Barely. Yeah, I so- saw Unfortunately, when I was a child, I think yeah. that was probably not appropriate viewing. But there was a lot of it. I I was talking the other day <laughs> about like when I was like nine years old, I saw Videodrome with my dad. Oh, that's like the weird S and M movie, the, right? It would be inappropriate for me to watch that movie right now, <laughs> dude. I saw that when I was a kid too. There's a scene where what the lady the where the lady says to the guy, "Want to try some stuff?" Yeah, and I immediately knew that <laughs> some weird shit was going to go down. Yeah, but I didn't know anybody was going to have a compartment in their tummy that they kept a gun in, mm. and like, yeah, yeah, that's a fucked up movie. It's a really fucked up movie. It's really fucked up that we saw that. We both saw that when we were kids. Well, it's, uh, it was a simpler time. <laughs> Parents were just like, yeah. "Do your things, guys. Go to." The I video think store. as soon as David Cronenberg started making movies, it stopped being a simpler time. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, David Cronenberg aside, yes, I get an Altered States vibe from that. That makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. to me. Yeah, kind of the squishy, dimensional critter things. Except for the one that steals, uh, what is it, Robin's Torch? That looks like something from SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah, it looked like Sebastian the Crab from The Little Mermaid, kind of. That too. He just zooms out of nowhere and steals his... (laughs) But he's got the big cartoony oh, sleepy eyes. Oh, I'm a fish thing. A lot of them had sleepy eyes, and I couldn't figure out if they were all blind and just sensed things through their sonic 
gills that they had in the front of their face because a lot of them had like eyes but i was wondering if those were like pseudo eyes like a moth's wings yeah hmm. to scare off predators the other things i can't see in, yeah good in the good point dimension. wouldn't make a lot of sense also wouldn't be the most nonsensical thing in this issue no most nonsensical thing in this issue is the extra-dimensional aliens plans of taking over of what the fuck were they trying to do well, they just kept losing all their resources <laughs> in that middle dimension. That's what was And not realizing up. that there was a middle dimension? Yeah. Okay, then how did they get to Earth to set up the mind control device inside the chessboard and plant their cameras that they watch everything through? Oh, uh, these are only questions which we can hope will be answered in future issues. Corey, I, <laughs> they are not answered. There's no way these questions get answered in future issues. It just... It doesn't make any sense, and it's, it drives me kind of crazy. It's completely fucking incoherent. That's and it's why. completely inconsistent with previous stuff. Yep. Like, I feel like each of these three continuing arc stories were written separately of each other, and with only a vague recollection of what had happened in the previous one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense that they needed Robin and Kid Flash specifically kidnapped and asked for them, but left all the other Titans and insisted that the other Titans be killed. Yeah. However, if Robin and Kid Flash cooperate, they will be showered with riches. And uh, and what sort of cooperation? The cooperation was to bring the other Titans back to the aliens so that they could. I guess, but they don't. Re- I don't know why they need the Titans for any reason. They wanted to kill them. Last they time. wanted to kill them last issue, except for Robin and Kid Flash, who they need for some reason. For some reason, yeah. When. They had a whole network of criminals. If they just needed, like, human guinea pigs, mm-hmm. they had a whole network of criminals that were working for them that they could have just been like, all right, go through this dimension for us. Yep. And, what's and up clearly with- they can come to Dimension X from Earth. Like, people can do that, and they know that because they got Kid Flash and Robin there. Mm-hmm. They infiltrated The, the other guys school. brought them there. What happened to the guys who brought them there? Did they just kill them? Maybe they got lost on the way back in the pink dimension. Maybe. None of that stuff gets addressed at all, and it's just a crazy, just like, full steam ahead, doesn't matter, keep going. What happens? Oh, then this happens. Oh, you're going to like this. You know, I, though, have gotten to the point with these books where I just sort of let that stuff wash over me, and I kind of, like, sometimes I'll be like, heh. Yeah, I kind of do until, I, I mean, honestly... I just kind of accepted most of it, and then when I was writing out the synopsis was when I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And it really doesn't. Nope. But it's pretty fun. Also, he kept th- he threw in a bunch of weird touches, like, I guess the extra-dimensional guys, the guys from Dimension X. Eggmen. Something about eggs? Children of the egg. Yeah. Okay, yeah. The, the, the weird... The energy being... <laughs> the weird coalesced. collective intelligence that coalesced from light mm-hmm. referred to the Dimension X guys as children of the egg. Correct. And they used a bunch of weird egg things yeah. on each other. Uh, your yolk's barely done. <laughs> yeah, or, or no, yeah, your yolkless brain. Yeah, that was it. And one of my favorites, which... This will come up again in favorite dialogue. I don't know if it's my absolute favorite because there is some other one. Mm. But your wisdom is the color of the great egg is maybe my new favorite line of praise Mm. ever. I believe that was the first instance where they started introducing the heavy egg references to. Yes, because it it came out of nowhere. It was super (laughs) cool. I was like, like, wait a minute. What? 
His yeah, wisdom's the I color said, of an egg? This yeah. is amazing. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's just... Huh? But it never gets really directly addressed or explained. Like, I guess they're green, so maybe they're lizards, and they come from eggs. But I don't know, man. We don't have a ton of, like, womb-based yeah. praise and insults that we do. Maybe we should come up with some. If you guys can come up with any, please write us an email at ttwasteland at gmail.com. Indeed. Thank you. So, one thing I was excited to see again was the, I guess, villain from the last issue. I mean, he was a dupe, but he was the head of the crime syndicate that uh, then yes. the dimensional goblins... Our favorite corpulent criminal. Yes. Speedy calls him Chubbins again. <laughs> And Lumpy. And he calls him Lumpy again, too. On the same page. Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> In the last one, they had to split up Chubby and Lumpy. And, and the, the page... Chubbins the, and Lumpy did. The, the previous page, before those insults, too, he Speedy says to the cops, not the fat one, or yeah, something. Let me say. question the fat one. Because this is another thing that happens in it. The police are so grateful for the Teen Titans for arresting all of these criminals and discovering their, I guess, smuggling ring. I think maybe they're smugglers. Tough to tell. But the police are so grateful that they're like, all right, we're going to leave and let you have at the crime scene, do whatever you want for a couple hours. Mm, yep, nobody will bother you. Yeah. Which is weird. I don't think that's procedure. But I don't know. DC Universe is a strange place. All the more strange when Neil Adams writes it. I, I know I, I sound alternately irate and very confused, and I am alternately both of those things. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. It's part of the sort of wild ride that I've come to expect. So, yeah, as they're about to bring the, all the prisoners into prison and they're, the police are telling them, like, eh, do whatever you want, kids. Have fun, have fun at this crime scene. Mm -hmm. And they do. Uh, Speedy is first like, leave the fat one. Mm -hmm. And he calls him Chubbins again and he calls him Lumpy and it's no good questioning him. Fortunately, he didn't need to question him because he had somehow gleaned that it's that chessboard, something's up with that chessboard. Yeah, he's a sharp kid. And then he just grabs a couple of chess pieces and just starts zooming them all over the chessboard to try to figure, mm -hmm. must trigger it somehow. And wouldn't you know? Sure does. Zap. Zap, and then... Ow, connection! I yeah. Think he said. Oh, yeah, he gets electrified as it opens the portal that the giant pink beast thing mm. comes through. Yeah, that was weird. It was a weird-looking creature, and it was a weird thing to have happen. Mm -hmm. Not as weird as, you know... The ending of the story, where the lights that we never seen before in the issue then just start all coalescing into a single giant intelligent creature who decides to be an archer. So I was trying to figure that out. Is the thing that coalesces into that humanoid giant archer made out of green fuzzy light? The All the other critters that are running nope. around are these energy-consuming things where yes. they're shooting lasers at them. And they're nom, nom, nom. Yeah, so I'm assuming those lights are not energy somehow and are also not light because some of the creatures eat light so that was what i was thinking though was like maybe all the creatures are kind of like uh, how would one explain that so like say there's like a virus or something right that so you think all of those things you're thinking this is an osmosis jones situation and all of those weird aliens that eat light and mm -hmm. thing are like his Red blood cells or something? Yeah, they're collecting that energy so that he can then, like, coalesce into his big energy dude form. That, maybe. So they're all, There's they're no like, text they're, to support that, but maybe. I don't know. It could fit. It, sure. 
That is what happens then. Yes, those are all digestive enzymes. Mm-hmm. The dimensions <laughs> and like that a... interdimension. That's just all in a giant's tummy. It's like a giant tum tummy. <laughs> it's like a giant tum tum. Is that what you started to say? I nobody knows. <laughs> Anywho, I do like that um, that the the giant tum tum guy was inspired by Speedy's uh, archery. Sure, it's pretty inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a pretty inspiring guy. Nice job, Speedy. He, he he does do a pretty good job. It's He figured out to fire that sonic arrow, and he figured out that that thing was blind. He, he, did, a, he did a good job. Figured out the chessboard. Figured out the chessboard. Just, I think that's the way he figures out most stuff, just by grabbing things and kind of mashing them around. Mm-hmm. Where we have a, another story to cover in this, we should probably get along with it. So what was your favorite dialogue, your favorite slang? My favorite dialogue corresponds with one of my favorite panels. Okay. It's on page two. I know the one you're talking about. That is probably my favorite dialogue, although, yeah, go ahead. I guess I'll start with the the dialogue, and and the dialogue is uh, Robin talking back to the the Dimension X alien guy that's... The scientist. That scientist. Who's, like, playing good cop to Rangor's bad cop. Exactly, yeah. So he's torturing them with these these headphones. (laughs) Do you think it's his headphones? Well, like, do you think he's just playing shitty music at them? Well, no, they're not really headphones. They're like uh, little well, like, like antennas that are pointing at their temples, kind of. But it looks like headphones. Yeah, know. they've got like some Frankenstein bolts on the side of their head that are electrifying them. Yeah, it's not good. No, they don't care it for it. They don't like it. They're like ah. So there's men back and forth between the scientist and and the, and, and the, these these two titans and um, about you know help us and or not and they're like no we're not going to help you and. Uh, I don't think it was phrased as help us or not. No, it was not phrased that way. Thank <laughs> you for the correction. Sorry. But Robin's way of saying we're not going to help you is you can take your offer and shove it in your perverberated, schizo-deviated, parabolic, addle-padded, disgusting, ah! and then, you know, um, Kid Flash tries to chime in too, but he only gets to, ditto, you, ah! <laughs> I like that, and I like the implied timing in that. Robin gets cut off, and then Kid Flash is just like, Yeah, ditto, you, ah! <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, we can't let him get that far with another diatribe. Yeah. And, and the panel's cool, too, because it's it's got this sort of monochromatic thing going on, where it's this, you know, kind of creepy... Right, it's a washed-out green shade. It looks like they're basically in the dark, but with maybe some kind of... Implies that the only light they're getting is from the electricity that's frying their brains a little bit. Sure. It's, uh, it's, it's nice. It's creepy. So that's your favorite panel? It's it's one of them. It's got good uh, sort of, is that, what's that called? Foreshortening where, where the, the foreground Robin looks really big and then it kind of like fades away into the background and Kid Flash is a little smaller sitting next to him. Yeah, there's some, there's some good perspective use there. Yeah. It's nice. So before we go into panels, though, what was your favorite bit of dialogue? From this, oh, right, right, right. Channel? I'm sorry. My favorite bit of dialogue, that is really high up there. Although, I do have a soft spot for your wisdom is the color of the great egg. <laughs> I suspect Which is maybe that. my new phrase. Yeah. I really like that one. Oh man, people are going to think you're identifying with those douchebags from Dimension X. I'm just saying. You know what color those people's wisdom is? The color of... color of some shitty egg. Not the color of the great egg. Sure. No. No, why not? Yeah, those people need some different colored wisdom. Yeah. So, in the... That previously mentioned dialogue is perverberated. Is that a word? I'm not sure. I thought maybe he was going for a proverbial. 
Or perverted. Or perforated. Just, none of the big words that he's stringing together, I don't think, mean anything in context that he's put them together in. Schizo-deviated. Parabolic. I mean, they're all great words. I think that's just how Robin talks. I'm angry. I know big words. <laughs> I think that is exactly yeah. Robin's MO, is yeah. I'm angry. I know big words. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to say that next time I get mad. There is another piece of dialogue in here that I really enjoyed for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's really stupid. But it's Kid Flash is saying it to Robin. It's when they get into the other dimension, when they escape to the other dimension, not when they're thrown there the first time, but when they escape and they're looking for their teammates, who they think are back on Earth. Mm. And Kid Flash says, cast your orbs yonder. Not literally, of course. <laughs> I had to read it's that like... a couple times because I couldn't figure out what he... He meant, like, look over there. He meant look over there. Yeah. But, I, I mean, just like, if he had stopped it at cast your orbs over yonder... I would have gotten that. The fact that he said not literally, of course, is so redundant. Like, hey, Robin, don't pluck out your eyeballs and throw them. (laughs) I feel like Robin may have started to do that previously. I think Robin just doesn't understand metaphor, is very literal. Mm. And and so Kid Flash had to be like, don't actually do that. Like, said that and then it's like, no, don't actually do it, Robin. <laughs> Don't throw your eyeballs over there. Just keep them where they are. Or more specifically, probably like, Robin, I don't really want you to throw your eyeballs. Don't give me a lecture about how you're not going to throw your eyeballs. Right, yeah. Yeah, I don't think Robin would do it, but he would be like, why do you want me to do it? He'd be like, that's stupid, Kid Flash. Yeah. I'm not going to throw my eyeballs. I can see just fine with them from here. Okay. So that, that was up there for my favorite dialogue, and I, I, I really enjoyed that as well. So favorite panel. You're going to go with the... Uh, that's one. I have a backup favorite Okay, panel. what's your backup favorite I, I panel? I think you might appreciate also. It's on page 12. And, ah. And it has to do with Wonder Girl and the aforementioned um, energy-eating critters. Okay. It's uh, it's this one in the in the lower left of, of page 12. And uh, Wonder Girl is, is observing, Oop, those creatures are eating missiles like candy. Can you just start to pluralize candy as candy? Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> It's, I'm angry. I know big words. It's uh, they're these kind of like cute, but also like disgusting looking. They look like those mm-hmm. um, those plush toys that are made to be like diseases and parasites. Okay, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. They look like those, and and they're eating missiles. And the sound that it makes when they eat missiles is boop. That's so. pre- that is pretty fun. I had not thought of that. I I do enjoy that. I enjoy all the extra dimensional shots. Really, it's a beautifully drawn issue that is clearly just what Neil Adams felt like drawing that mm-hmm. day. Yep. My favorite panel. There's a lot to choose from because there are some really great panels in this story. The first appearance, and really the whole panel layout for when the blind pink monster that comes in at them is pretty great. It's just really cool looking. It's a really cool monster that has... It's really creepy. For some reason, things without eyeballs or with like little slits that are supposed to be audio nostrils mm. or something... Mm-hmm. It's really creepy looking, and I really like that monster. Kind of reminds me of something like from a guy's name, uh, Guillermo del Toro's. Yes, Guillermo del Toro movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like from Pan's Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Or... Yeah, it looks like something out of that. Yeah, and that's really cool. But my favorite panel is it's on page nine, and it's when Kid Flash and Robin are in the pink dimension. They still have their like harnesses. cyber harnesses on mm-hmm. that are attached to the pain device. Robin is trying to escape. So it's a silent panel because they don't want anybody to hear what they're planning. 
Robin's going to try to cut them out of their bonds with this tiny settling torch that he has. But that's all background. What's actually happening in this panel is Kid Flash has a series of thought bubbles. And what he's thinking is, huh, what's he up to? Fishing around in his utility belt. We should try to get back to Earth. We'd have a better chance there. Oh, well. But if you take out the thought bubbles of those dialogue, Kid Flash is looking worriedly at Robin, who is holding a finger up his lips to his lips to say, shh, and is with his other hand reaching for his belt. <laughs> <laughs> and it really cracks me up looking at it. And I can't believe it hasn't been used for like a ton of flyers and things because wow. it's pretty great. I'll definitely post a picture of that, but yeah, it really does crack me up. I was so focused on the dialogue, <laughs> I missed the humorous implication. But even if you have the, I mean, it's not dialogue because it's thought bubbles, but the, uh, huh, what's he up to? Fishing around in his utility belt? We should try to get back to Earth and do something, but oh well, he's going to do what he's going to do. Mm. And yeah, Robin is just going, shh, mm-hmm. I'm reaching into my belt. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I didn't read it that creepy, but it's uh, I see it now. Yeah, it's hard to unsee it once you've seen it. Thank you for that. No problem, that's what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. So, who was your favorite Titan in this issue? My favorite Titan in this... I mean in this story, sorry. Because this, we'll, we'll do a second one for the backup story. It's funny you say that, because before getting into the second story, I had... And uh, I'm going to stick with her. I, I picked Wonder Girl really? for this one. Mm-hmm. Why is that? I think that she delivers a solid performance. She doesn't really make any sort of mistakes and she does some really good punching she does some decent punching it doesn't really hurt the things that she punches in fact she does actually hurt herself punching the first big yes she does thing but uh, no she socks a couple of the guys from dimension x when they're they're having some fisticuffs in in that middle dimension i think okay um, yeah i don't know i just i I felt like the other guys got a lot more screen time if you will but um, i will thank you she did a fine job no, I, I think she she did put in a solid performance. I don't feel like she really stood out as a Titan in this. It's decent. It's an interesting choice. I'm going to go with Chubbins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not going with Chubbins. He's not a teen. He's not a Titan. Uh, he's just he's a chubby really dude who, I, for whatever reason, it really amuses me when, when Speedy calls him Chubbins. But uh, speaking of which, I think Speedy is my favorite Titan in this uh, issue. He inspired a whole collective unconscious to mimic him. With his archery skills, Mm. he's the one who got them into the dimension by just mashing a bunch of shit together until it worked. Mm -hmm. His sonic arrows, I I think he did some good problem solving in that regard. He did, Um, actually. I'm still mad at him for trying to replace Aqualad. Of course, no one can ever replace Aqualad. But he put in a solid effort here, and uh, credit where credit's due, I'm going to go with Speedy. That's fair. Okay. That brings us to the second story. To yes. cover today, which is The Origin of Wonder Girl. Written by Marv Wolfman, who is mm-hmm. the guy who wrote the original script that had to get redrawn for the first episode of this. And the backup story in Wonder Girl was the last work that he did for DC for quite a while, like a, a couple of years, I think. Mm-hmm. Because he was still kind of persona non grata after writing the story that featured a black hero that had to be rewritten. Mm-hmm. I don't know about had to, but was rewritten, that Mm -hmm. Carmen Infantino felt needed to be rewritten. And he does an okay job. It's not great. Art's really nice by Gil Kane, and the inks by by Nick Cardi in it. It's kind of a lame origin story, I think. What did you think? Yeah, let me see if I can recap it. Baby found. Right. Shot with Purple Ray. Yep. Gets superpowers. Pretty much. Yeah. So she's like, oh, I'm not really an Amazon. And then 
They're like, oh, then what are you? She's like, well, Wonder Woman rescued me when I was a baby, and she brought me home to her mom. And then they're like, this baby's lame. Let's shoot it with a purple ray so it'll be strong like us. Mm-hmm. And then they did. And that's that. Yeah. There is a pretty cool, like, training montage when before she's hit with the ray where she's, like, <laughs> where doing, she's just bad at everything. She's doing a terrible job. Yeah, that's true. But then they shoot her with a ray that does whatever the fuck they want it to do. It can and bring it's fine. whole legions of people back from the dead. Yeah, it brought the whole Justice Society back to the dead. It's a weird... Or from the dead. Yeah. Did I say back to the dead? I Maybe. They could probably do that, too, if they needed to. That, why not? It's the Purple Ray. That Paula is... And I feel list. like it is kind of irresponsible of them to use it later on to just fix somebody's arm. In the process. And in the process, rob Wonder Girl of her powers. Mm-hmm. So... The reason they had to address the issue of Wonder Girl's origin, and I'm glad they did for a few reasons. First of all, she didn't have one before. Mm-hmm. We'd never seen her before. When she was introduced, she it was... She showed up? She showed up in an issue of Teen Titans and was like, yeah, now I'm part of the Teen Titans, and I guess have been for a while. They're like, hey, Wonder Girl, what's up? Like, hey, Wonder Girl, good to see you again. Mm-hmm. It's like, not only have you not seen her before, nobody's seen her before. Mm-hmm. There had been a character named Wonder Girl, but it was she was like Superboy, where it was Wonder Woman when she was younger. Mm. And I guess there was a miscommunication, and they decided to let her be a Teen Titan, and then had to... Mm. This is their attempt to rewrite continuity to have her character make sense. Mm-hmm. And it's weird that it took them that long to do it. Mm. Well, they had their hands full. Oh, yeah, they were busy. Going on. <laughs> yep. Tons to do. Just swamped. But the reason they needed to address it at this point is because... If she was an Amazonian, shit was going down in Wonder Woman comics right now, where this was the period where Wonder Woman had lost her powers Mm -hmm. and was kind of a Mrs. Peel type character who was a karate expert who, and these are some of my favorite comic books, is the Wonder Woman episodes. It was called the all new Wonder Woman. They're weird. In a lot of ways, they're not good, but in a lot of ways, they're pretty cool. She is trained in Kung Fu by a blind Chinese man called Ai Ching. Mm. Um, and then opens a clothing boutique in Soho. And <laughs> dresses like Mrs. Peel from the Avengers. Mm. And it's kind of rad in a lot of ways. Mm. It's They're written by Denny O'Neill and they're interesting. Most of them are drawn by a guy named Mike Sikowski, uh, who is f- fairly reviled, I think, by many comic book aficionados, but I think he does a really nice job with those. Hmm. But the reason Wonder Woman lost her powers is because all of the Amazonians decided to take themselves and their island back to the dimension that they came from, which had never been talked about before, Mm -hmm. that they were from another dimension. But apparently every, like, thousand years they need to recharge their powers Mm. in this other dimension. And they wanted Wonder Woman to go back with them, but she's like, nah, I'm busy here. I got to do this shit. Specifically, I got to take care of Steve Trevor, who's being a total douche right now. Mm. And then he went into a coma and died. Shit. Yeah, but it's good, because fuck that guy. Mm. Steve Trevor was being a real dick. But yeah, so all the Amazonians packed up their shit and went back to their original dimension so that they could have their power, still keep their powers, and Wonder Woman didn't go with them, so she didn't get her powers. Mm. So, since Wonder Girl didn't go with them, they had to explain why she still had her powers. And this is what they came up with. Mm. It is pretty lame that, A, they never bothered giving her a name when they adopted her, as near as I can tell. They just called her girl. Yeah, just girl. Because they're all wonderful there. Right. Which has got to be disheartening. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that... So here's, here's the story from the Amazonian perspective. 
ah, this lady who used to live here went away, and then she found a kid and brought her back. And now I raised a kid, but the kid was lame, so I shot it with a ray to make it cool. Mm-hmm. And then when she was out, we all moved and told her she couldn't come. Mm-hmm. Queen Hippolyta's kind of a dick. Yeah, and then they screwed up the raid that caused the... Yeah, and then problem. they screwed up... They, they used the raid to try to fix somebody's broken arm. Mm-hmm. And... The, I'm sorry, broken limb. Could have been a leg. I don't know if that changes things. Could, somebody's yeah. bum knee, maybe. Yeah, could have been any yeah. limb. Anyway, Colleen had a bad knee, so yeah. we took all your powers away for a minute. Yeah, sorry. Won't sorry. Again. Hope you weren't fighting evil demurs from another dimension. Yeah. Oh, wait, you were? Whatever. Anyway, we're here in Paradise Dimension. It's rad. You yeah. can't come because you're not really our kid. Yeah, bye. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> so that's what happens in this issue. Pretty much. Although she does get a, a rad, I'm sorry, a groovy apartment. She gets a groovy apartment and a swinging new roommate mm-hmm. named Sharon mm-hmm. in the village, mm-hmm. which I'm assuming is supposed to be Greenwich Village, who's an art student. Yep. And she gets a snazzy new costume at the end and a new hairdo. Yeah, I was thinking about that. So we're kind of, what are we, about four or five months away from the 70s starting? Uh, yeah. And that kind of nails it, man. She's yep. got the, the, it's pretty cool looking, actually. It's her her outfit? Yeah, disco I'm on the fence of. about it. It, it. it has almost a disco-y vibe to it. It's like a, a skin-tight, like, red jumpsuit, mm-hmm. sleeveless. That has, she wears big boots with, she wears some clunky jewelry with it. Mm-hmm. Like, she's got a big chunky necklace, which is, is fine. I'm actually pretty into that. Mm-hmm. She also has, like, clunky, like, beaded bracelet that she wears. Mm. I'm like, lady, you already got two magic bracelets. How many bracelets do you need? I know it's 1969, but that's too many bracelets. And in her reveal photo, she, she does do something that's kind of nice, which I think is a reference to when Mary Jane Watson was introduced in the Spider-Man comics, which is she addresses the camera directly and, and calls people tigers. Mm-hmm. Which, what, what is it that she says? Like, the new Wonder Girl. How about that, tigers? And, like, does a sassy model look at the camera. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's I'm not crazy about the stars that it puts on her costume. I, I like a nice, clean design, and it's, it's kind of weird. It, there's black and white stars that are just kind of peppered along the leg and in almost like a bandolier across the front of her mm-hmm. jumpsuit. I will say, jumpsuit with a belt, with a big belt buckle. Mm-hmm. That's a nice look. Yeah, and medallion's pretty yeah, sweet. Yeah, and I like the medallion. And she even changed her gorgeous locks. Yeah, she she did. She had to brush it out ten more times than she had yeah. at <laughs> the beginning of a panel. And that is her own reference, too. Yeah. She said, I even changed my gorgeous locks. No, I know. Okay. I think they know, too. <laughs> Are you calling our listeners dumb? Of course I wouldn't not. do that. Oh. I think they're pretty damn sharp, Corey. I, likewise. One of them sent me some nice synopsis songs. Yeah, I saw that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Zane. Yeah, so that, that kind of brings us up to speed with, with that one. So, what was your favorite dialogue? What was your favorite slang in the Wonder Girl feature? I don't know that I necessarily had any favorite slang, but what stood out to me is kind of like what a creepo Speedy was being. Oh, yeah. He hits on Sharon as soon as he's... Like, while he's he's, dropping Wonder Girl off at the apartment. mm -hmm. And then also, like, he says this weird thing. Or maybe that was Kid Flash. I'm not sure. Where where they gave her 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 pseudonym. He's like, Donna Troy, size 8. 
I gotta believe that's Speedy just because that's a weird thing to say, and I think Speedy would be the one that would have been measuring her. Yeah. I don't see Kid Flash doing that. It's tough to tell because they're out of costume at that point. Yeah. It's funny, though, to see the, the Titans all wearing, like, the sort of, you know, kind of hip clothes of, of the day and, you know... Yeah. Out of, out of their costumes. I like it. They're all wearing suits, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, handsome, handsome young bunch of folks. This also definitely places the Titans, or at least Wonder Girl, in the late teens phase that she's getting her own apartment with a roommate. So I gotta mm-hmm. believe she's, like, around 17, 18. She's gotta be 18 at this point, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, or near to it, which is which is cool. Yeah, when they drop her off, I believe it's Speedy. They they've given this like, hey, we're looking for a roommate, and they all four of them show up together. And Sharon says, "Why, solid, but I only have room for one." And then mm-hmm. I think it's Speedy responds, "Alas, then take our friend Donna Troy, size eight, and we shall move on." Why did you tell her your dress size? Yeah. That's is he just trying to score her some clothes, maybe? Or did she, is Sharon the creep who specified that in her roommate wanted ad? Oh, must be size 8. <laughs> must be size 8. Because I'm going to steal your clothes and wear them. Well, they, and maybe your skin. Oh, yuck. They did tell her to be careful, right? Yeah, but that I don't think is the creepiest one. The creepiest to me is when her roommates are telling her to be careful. and Or her roommates, her teammates are telling Donna to be careful. And not give away her new secret identity. And her response is, yes, daddy. Yeah, I, I'm led to believe that was a... I know she's being sarcastic. A turn of phrase, too, at the... at the. Oh, okay, like when they time. keep calling people baby. Mm-hmm. That was something I forgot to mention from the previous it does, story. It does sound creepy, though, you're right. Yeah, that was something I forgot to mention from the previous storyline, which I really liked that Raman did, which, which was after the extra-dimensional being, the good one, that is the collective conscious oh, of yeah. all of the bits of light mm-hmm. gives his speech about how now our dimension will be forever safe because he will be patrolling its borders. Sure. Robin's response is to say, peace, baby. <laughs> that was pretty cool. So <laughs> like, it's a pretty smooth move, Robin. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a mic drop. Like just walked out. Yep. He's like, yeah, whatever. We're going home. <laughs> You guys got this. I am a being of pure light comprised of several intelligent... Yeah, whatever, I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your favorite uh, dialogue from Wonder Girl's origin story? It's when she's moving into the apartment and she is excited about it. And it's not technically dialogue because she's thinking it. But she says, or she thinks to herself, I think I'm going to like it here. It should be a groove. Mm. I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah. What's your favorite panel? My favorite panel is where we're on page five and uh, Speedy is like looming over <laughs> her new roommate, um, hitting on her and he's like arching one eyebrow and his hands are, he just looks super cheeseball and he's like, um, he's, yeah, he's just hitting on the girl. Yeah, he's uh, hitting on the girl and Kid Flash and Robin are off to the side thinking, talk about fast pitches. They don't call him Speedy for nothing. Which Robin, they've brought up before. Robin is very disapproving, too. He's got this look on his face. It's just like, oh, it's <laughs> guy. Yeah. I get it. But I, I, I enjoy that little bit of character development. So, who is your favorite Titan in this story? Uh, this is weird, but I'm going to go with uh, Wonder Girl. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to go with Speedy. <laughs> Nah, I'm going to go with Wonder Girl, too. Oh, and I think I forgot to mention it. My favorite panel is uh, her 
pinup costume reveal at the end. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very nicely drawn. Yep. And I appreciated it. That is a good one. So, what do you think Aqualad's probably up to? Let's see. Last week I had him catching up on the You had TV. him uh, just watching TV and babysitting. Mm-hmm. What do you think he's up to this issue? So I think he's he's probably gotten sick of watching TV and babysitting. And, um, you know, he spent a lot of time before with the rest of the gang fighting crime, looking for trouble, as mm-hmm. it were. Mm-hmm. So, going on patrol. Yeah, I think he's probably going out on, on patrol around town. But also, you know, I, I'm thinking he's probably pretty lonely. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe he's like kind of using these patrols as an excuse to, you know, try trying to meet, meet like a nice Atlantean nice, young lady. Yeah, there's a possibility. There's a, I believe it's around this time that he does meet up with a character that at the time they were referring to as Aqua Chick, uh, who later became Aqua Lass, who his name is Tula, who was his uh, mm-hmm. underwater girlfriend, who was kind of a bad influence. I liked her. Yeah, but you're wrong. Because what Aqualad is probably up to is, <laughs> you remember back when they were in San Francisco hanging out with the hippies, uh-huh. and they all had alternate personas. Oh, that! And his was costume. wet and wild in a yeah. horrible costume. That bad hair, everything. We never got to see what he was up to as wet and wild. All the other Titans, we saw how they interacted oh, with you think he kept the, the uh, truckers. Well, I think he kept the costume, but we'll get to that. So, see, I think during that time, what we didn't see. Mm. Well, the other Titans were having their adventures in their hippie garb. Mm-hmm. Is he was wandering around San Francisco, trying to find where those runaway teens were at? Mm-hmm. He probably ran into some drag queens <laughs> who took pity on him and were like, "Oh, oh, wet and wild. That is not a good outfit. Let me see what I can do for you." Mm-hmm. And they probably made him promise to come visit them. If he was ever in New York City. Mm. And to come see their show that they were going to be putting on at a little club called Stonewall. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I think that what's probably happening mm-hmm. during this comic, because this is the summer of 69 when this came out, mm-hmm. is that Aqualad is visiting his drag queen friends in New York. Okay. And he gets he, he goes to see them play at a club. Mm-hmm. He probably He's a very naive young Atlantean. Sure. He probably thinks they're just some nice ladies. Mm-hmm. And he goes to see their club, and he sees the police get involved. And he was the instigating person in the Stonewall riots and was a pioneer in the fight for gay rights. And that, Corey, is what Aqualad's probably up to. You've clearly put a little more thought into this than I have, but uh, I'll buy it. Congratulations. (laughs) Oh, don't congratulate me. Don't congratulate me. Congratulate the entire LGBTQ community. And Aqualad. Nice work, Aqualad. Nice work, Aqualad. Oh, and also, Beaky shows up and gets into a real mess. Oh, a real pickle, huh? Yeah. Huh. That pelican. You can't take him anywhere, but you've got to because he's got your water. Oh, uh, that's right. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. You should get like a... They didn't have those camel packs yet. No. Then. Camelback? Camelbacks? Yeah, I think those uh were... Created for the movie Dune. Probably. And then people just started wearing them around. Yeah, Kyle McLaughlin actually invented them. <laughs> I don't think he invented them. I think a prop master invented them, and he just started carrying them around and just wearing them in his everyday life. Yeah. And then other people were like, I want to be more like Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah. 
Yeah, they get rid of the... It recycles your um, sweat and urine, though. Yeah. Function. It's just a regular holds water thing. I wasn't supposed to be peeing in that. Dude, no. All right, well... (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. This has been Teen Titans Wasteland. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. We've enjoyed doing it. I, indeed. I'm speaking for Corey. I enjoyed doing it. Did you enjoy doing it? I did enjoy doing this. Glad to hear it. Hopefully you'll come back next week. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, drop us a line at ttwasteland at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher. We're all over that damn internet. So uh, if you want to get in touch with us, those are some ways. And if you'd like to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher, we'd really appreciate that. Thank you so much. I get to live another hour. Peace and farewell. Your wisdom is the color of the great egg. <laughs>